Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today is my friend, Guy Waters. Guy, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Dave. It's good to be with you again. I know. I know. I think I think this is like the third or the fourth time I, I've had you on. I, I can't remember. Should I should have looked. I will need to have you punch my card afterwards so I can get my uh, my prize. Yes, yes, your your <laughs> frequent visitor card. We, we should right. make, I should make one of those, and then every time you know frequent guest comes on, they can punch their card. You know, so, <laughs> that's a good idea, brother. Well, anyway, can you uh, catch us up on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects you're working on? Sure. So I'm continuing to serve at Reformed Theological Seminary at the Jackson campus, and as of June, began to to serve as academic dean. So that's I'm continuing to teach, but also serving an administrative role in Jackson. <clears throat> I had been serving as dean of, of our two Texas campuses, so I was basically swapping uh, one assignment for the other. And uh, we're in the middle of our semester, and I'm remaining active, um, writing and serving in the church. Uh, my family is growing as every family is growing. Our oldest daughter uh, has graduated college, has started a job out west. And my youngest daughter's first year of college. And so that's been a good transition for her. And then our son is smack in the middle of high school and enjoying it. So it's, it's a good season of life. Oh, wonderful, brother. So glad to so glad to hear how the Lord is at work in your life and thankful for your life and all that you do for the glory of God. So can you tell us about this book, uh, The Sabbath is Rest and Hope for the People of God, why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received? Sure. Well, I, I agree, Dave, with your earlier sentiments about this series. Uh, I think the Short Studies in Biblical Theology series has really done a good job, and I commend the editors, Miles Van Pelt and Dane Ortland, for, for their good work here. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm honored to be part of it because they've got a constellation of fine authors and fine topics. <clears throat> what the series is doing is it's taking various themes and topics of biblical theology, which is just a description of reading lines of teaching, themes of teaching from start to finish in scripture, and making them accessible to a general readership. Uh, often biblical theology is done uh, by and for uh, specialized readership, and I think it's uh, past time to be um, making the riches of this study of scripture available to a wider audience, and I think the series is doing it well. And a few years ago, they asked me to uh, prepare a volume on the Lord's Supper, which I did and enjoyed that. And 
Uh, I asked them, would you, would you be open to another? How about on the Sabbath? And they said, sure. Um, the Sabbath, I think, is one of those often untapped veins of uh, biblical teaching. And it offers so much in terms of helping us to understand the structure of Scripture, the teaching of Scripture, and it has so many implications for the Christian life. So when they gave the green light, I was thrilled, and the book is the product of that. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, as I was reading this book, I was reminded of a situation when I was living in Idaho and teaching through the teaching through John in a small group. And uh, man, when I when I got to the part on the Sabbath in John's gospel, I, I, I hadn't gotten hardly hardly any pushback. But as soon as I started talking about the Sabbath and the history behind it and those kind of things, um, boy, <laughs> I, I hit a nerve. It's just we'll just call it that way. Right. And uh, I was I was frankly shocked at at some of the response. Um, and I and I had to have a lot of, you know, conversation with some of the guys in the group, you know, one on one about it. And it, it, that was good because I, maybe I wasn't as clear on on what I was saying and, and those kind of things. But um, it definitely it definitely showed me that there is a lot of misunderstanding and there is a need for further teaching on this like you're offering in this book. So all that to say, I, I agree with what you're saying. Well, and, and just to follow up <clears throat> on that, Dave, uh, you know, really up until and into the 20th century, Protestant Christianity was Sabbatarian, and, and that would have been cross-denominational. That has obviously changed. We're not there. And so you've, you've got to make a ground-up argument for it. And <clears throat> very often, the experience you're describing, I think, is is one that would be common to many, that the Sabbath can provoke some pretty strong reactions. And I think very often there are some negative associations tied up with it that have come through poor teaching, poor practice, or no teaching. And that's why I think taking the opportunity to survey the scripture, again, from the ground up can be a very helpful exercise for us. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we've been talking a lot about the doctrine of scripture. You know that uh, you're so kind to endorse my, you know, my book that came out last month. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so we've been talking about the doctrine of scripture a lot on this podcast because of that. But how does a good understanding of the Sabbath help us have a better uh, understanding of the whole story of scripture? Mm -hmm. And I know you were just touching on that too. So, yeah. Oh, excellent question. Um, <clears throat> so the Sabbath. Many people associate the Sabbath with the giving of the law at Sinai. And that's true. God did reveal very fully and explicitly the, the doctrine of the Sabbath. That's the fourth of the Ten Commandments God gives in Exodus 20. But that's not the beginning of the Sabbath. That's not the first time Scripture mentions the Sabbath. In fact, go back only four chapters, Exodus 16. Israel is observing the Sabbath in the wilderness prior to Mount Sinai. So that tells you that the Sabbath is not unique to Mount Sinai. It predates it. And one of the principles we apply in studying Scripture is that Scripture interprets Scripture. 
And Hebrews chapter four tells us that we should understand the rest of Genesis chapter two, verses one to three, God's rest from his works of creation in six days as Sabbath rest. And that tells us that the Sabbath goes all the way back to the creation, and it's part of God's blueprint plan for humanity. And that's why Jesus says in Mark 2, not the Sabbath was made, was not made for, um, or the Sabbath was made, he does not say the Sabbath was made for Israel, but Israel for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it's a, a human ordinance, not something that's uniquely Jewish. And when you look at the opening chapters of Genesis, the Sabbath rest that God um, enjoyed and is held out to us is, Hebrews tells us, a picture of heaven, our heavenly rest. Mm. And if Adam had obeyed God in the garden, that's where he would have brought himself mm. and humanity. But of course, he sinned. And we we praise God that that's not the end of the story. God is preparing the way for the second Adam, and it is Christ who will lead us into that rest. And so we are pilgrims. We've been delivered from the sin of Egypt. We are on pilgrimage to heavenly Canaan. We have before us that rest, that Sabbath rest, and God gives us a weekly Sabbath to enjoy, to refresh us, to prepare us, to orient us toward our heavenly home. And he's been doing that from the very beginning. So the Sabbath is a, a golden thread that runs through all of Scripture. It highlights the, what Christ has done for us in redemption, our heavenly home and our heavenly destination. And in that sense, it pulls everything to, in Scripture together in a wonderful way. Mm. That's really, really good, brother. You talk in the introduction of this book about how we've ignored the Sabbath for economic gain and more. What are the dangers of neglecting the Sabbath in light of what you were just saying? Well, going back to where we began, that the Sabbath is part of God's blueprint, his, his plan for humanity. God never designed us to be 24-7 creatures. He designed us to work six days and to rest one, and to devote that day of rest to his worship and, and fellowship. So when we try, as our culture is trying, to maintain a frenetic 24-7 lifestyle, we're going to see the bitter fruits of that. It's, it's just going to wear us down, and <clears throat> it's not going to be conducive to the way God has designed us to be and live as human beings. It, it's going to corrode and profoundly impact our families and our communities. And to the degree that Christians are enticed to buy into that, we're, we're not only uh, turning our face toward the world and not toward God, but we're missing out on what God has in store for us so we're, we're we're being disobedient to God, and we're depriving ourselves of the blessing 
that God is holding out to his people that is there for us in connection with that day. So I think there, there are tremendous consequences, and you will see from time to time, and not even by Christian writers, calls for some kind of Sabbath restoration, not always or often on biblical terms, but there's a recognition, even by unbelief, we just can't keep going like this 24-7. We, we were made for rest periodically, and I think that's a tribute to what Genesis tells us about the way God has made us to be and live. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. And, you know, just personally, you know, when, you know, I don't have a time of, you know, rest, even just before sleep, you know, I'm not going to sleep as well. I mean, I think that's true for everybody, but mm -hmm. even more importantly, when, you know, I do work on a Sunday after church or before whatever, like the whole day, and then, come Monday, I'm, I'm tired, you know, we, we but when I take the time to relax, relax on Sunday, and, you know, go to worship, and maybe read a book, and whatever, I'm, I'm ready, I feel really refreshed on Monday, and so there's really practical, there's really practical benefits to letting your, not just letting, going and worshiping, but letting your mind, you know, relax from the work uh, that you're doing, um, and, and the whole nine yards, um, especially those of us who are involved in like content creation and dealing with people, you know, if you're a social worker, you're a teacher on and on, you know, it's really, really important. Even if you're a janitor, I mean, there's, there's innumerable benefits across the board for every, uh, type of vocation, just to rest and relax, be with your family enjoy a good conversation, enjoy coffee, enjoy reading your Bible, um, enjoy the fellowship of God's people, being to be encouraged, even encourage somebody. Um, I mean, we could go on and on with that, right? Well, that's right. And, you know, what, what we're saying, it, we're giving an amen to God who's telling us, look, I've, I've made you for work. So, God gifts us, calls us to labor, but that's not ultimate. What's ultimate is worship and fellowship with him. And one day a week, we're giving our amen to that by denying ourselves, okay, I could be doing this, I, I could be doing that, but I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to devote myself to what is most important and what God made me ultimately to do. And we find, just as you testified, Dave, that there is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual refreshment that comes from that, so that we are ready to leap into Monday morning and get back to work. And it's a wonderful time to be investing spiritually in our families, our fellow believers, our churches, and uh, what what a great example those of us who are parents we can set for our children. Okay, religion, the gospel means something to mom and dad that they're willing one day a week to set what they're doing the other six days down and to take this up. And you just have to think that's going to be a powerful message to be sending month after month, year after year, 
to a young person. Mm. That's a needed message too. Really, really needed. Well, how do you how do you respond to somebody, or I should say it this way, what would be your response to somebody mm-hmm. that says that uh, you know, obeying the Sabbath is legalism? Well, there's no question that legalism gets caught up in Sabbath observance. You see that in the Gospels, in the way that Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. I think we want to be very clear in defining legalism. Um, Legalism can be a stick that people beat other people with and uh, we've, so we've got to be very careful with our definitions. Um, we, we want to say in the first place that law keeping is different from legalism, that uh, the commandments of God are not burdensome. Christ's yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you love me, he says, keep my commandments. Faith works by love. God saved us for good works. I mean, all of those scriptures and many more remind us that Christians have to do good works, not to save ourselves, quite the reverse. We've been saved by the work of Christ alone, but we are saved for good works. That's how we adorn the gospel of God, our Savior. That's how we tell abroad what a great God we serve. Um, so law keeping is not only good and useful, it's, it's necessary for a Christian. It's not optional. Well, when we say law keeping, we mean keeping what God has commanded us in scripture and the scripture is equally insistent. You don't follow the commands of men. Jesus rebukes Pharisees for teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. We're bound to keep God's law, not human ordinances. And that's that helps us to clarify what legalism is. Legalism is is not following God's law. Legalism is taking up human ordinances. And legalism would be substituting a human command for God's command. Or legalism can be misusing God's law as though God's law were in any way to justify us before God. So legalism is a very subtle thing, and there's no Christian who's immune to that temptation. I don't think there's any one of us who's never fallen into it if we take God's law seriously. Mm. But we need to be careful not to um, elide legalism and law-keeping as though they're one and the same thing. So to your original question, is Sabbath-keeping legalistic? Well, no, to the degree that God has commanded it, and therefore it is something we must observe. And and we can talk about where where we find that in the New Testament particularly. But if, if the Sabbath is God's commandment, then we have to keep it. Can Sabbath keeping become legalistic? Well, yes, if like the Pharisees, we overlay God's law with all sorts of human commands and rituals and ordinances that God never commanded. Or if we think that keeping 
any of God's laws merits favor or acceptance before God. Yes, that's legalistic. So we, we've got to be careful here with our definitions, but the bottom line is Sabbath keeping is what God has required of us in Scripture. So would you say that, that it goes back to the motivation of, you know, maybe even why we're why we're doing what we're doing, why we're obeying the Sabbath, why even even why we're doing that and you know you, you know we, we 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 can so easily slip into legalism but would you say more of it's a matter of our motivation for why we're obeying it the, the sabbath and those types of things that's always a question we've got to be asking uh why am i doing what am i what i'm doing and what is my authority for doing what i'm doing has god said is this in his word or am I doing this out of deference to the church or tradition or to, to my own preferences? And if, if we can answer the question, yes, God has commanded this, and I'm doing this for the reasons God would have me do it, then we, we can go forward. We, we've, um, we're, I think we, at that point, we're out of legalism's reach. Yeah. How vital is it that we carve out time for the Sabbath to rest, to worship, to sit under the preaching of word and more? And then what are some practical ways we can cultivate a love for the Sabbath and not feel guilty for enjoying it? Hmm. Well, a couple of things, uh, Dave. First of all, uh, we we come to the Sabbath with the conviction that God has given us this day for rest and refreshment. And it's a holy resting. So, so God blessed the day and counted it holy. So that means it, it's not the rest where I lie in bed all day. Um, it's the rest where I'm with God's people preeminently in worship, enjoying Christian fellowship, doing deeds of service to God's people in between, um, spending time in personal devotion, family devotion, and and all the while doing my best for myself and others, not to make the day a burden, but a delight. I mean, God says through Isaiah, call the Sabbath a delight. So it's not meant to be a burden. It's supposed to be a joy. And how can we keep it and not feel guilty? Well, I think there, you know, when God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, he says, in six days, God made heaven and earth and all that in them is. That is to say, I've given you six days to do your work, which means that's enough. If, if God has given us six days to do our work, that's, that's all we need to do our work. So if we're starting to feel guilty or pressured to do work on the Sabbath, the problem is not with the Sabbath. It's with the way we're managing our other six days. And we need to go back and reevaluate the way we're using those six days and allotting our time. Mm -hmm. And it may be we're trying to take on things that God hasn't called us to take on. Maybe we need to shed some things. Maybe we need to reorder some things. Mm -hmm. But we can't pin the blame on the one day God has given us for rest and refreshment. We need to, to do a real serious inventory of those other six days. 
And, you know, that can be hard work, but I think that's going to be good work. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. As you're talking, yeah, one of the things coming to my mind is just a sober self-assessment of ourselves and uh, and a recognition that, you know, we're not God. We're finite creatures. He's mm-hmm. infinite. And that that what that does is, as you're touching on, what it does is it helps us to recognize, hey, you know what? God is God and he's sufficient and he's enough. And so I've got to, you know, he tells us that we're supposed to manage our time. Well, it's a matter of stewardship. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having a schedule where you write out your day isn't, isn't for some people, it's really hard. You know, they're like, well, I didn't get what I done. And then they stress out and then they freak out. But you know what? There's another day. And then there's another day. And so, you know, I, I did the same when I had to do, I have to do that for myself. Um, I don't have a problem with the self-discipline, but, you know, just having that kind of mentality, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I am my own boss and I manage my own schedule for other people that will look differently. I understand mm-hmm. can't maybe have that same, but have some sort of structure to the day. You know, all of us have tasks that we can, that we do. So focus on some of those tasks, the major ones. Um, other things might come in your day, but fo- try to try to th- view it that way rather than, OK, there's a, you have a hundred and about a, I think it's a hundred and plus hours, you know, that you're at work. OK, that's a lot of time that you're working. <laughs> but man, how are you doing? Think about how are you doing it, managing the time that you have? Now, some of you might not be able to manage your time because you're not the boss and you know, you're getting thrown things after thing after thing, but everybody has essential job tasks. Try to knock those out, uh, those those essential things, you know, as quickly as possible. Be available for other projects, uh, and and just try to manage your manage your time better. And you know, not only not only will that help you to do your work well, but we're supposed to do our work with excellence. And so I I find, and again, my situation is different, but Working ahead helps as much as possible, and it helps to lower the stress. It helps to it helps this kind of mentality. But being intentional, I think, is the is the big thing that I wanted to say. Being intentional in your work, uh, whatever that is, and finding some sort of structure that that fits, you know, your work. So the, don't take everything that I'm the example that I'm using because, like I said, my I'm different then everybody in everybody's situation take the principle of intentionality and take the principle of finding a schedule within the work parameters that you have and then you know be use that with the goal that you know the the sabbath you're going to have it off to rest and to enjoy and to spend time and um you know i i have had in this way i've had to to rediscipline myself uh, and to be more purposeful and intentional so that even on Sunday or even on a Saturday, um, I don't have all the heavy things going into to Sunday that I've had in the past. And that's been so helpful, uh, helpful for me, helpful for my wife, um, helpful to, to have more time with family and friends and to be more available. Um, so just, just some, some thoughts on that, I guess. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts? No, I, and I appreciate that counsel, Dave. Um, I think, and I, I especially 
am glad you brought up the point that in the end, we have to commit our work and ourselves to God. I mean, we we have a responsibility, as Adam had a responsibility to tend the garden, but we're not sovereign over the work that God has given us. And that's a good reminder every week when God says, see what you're doing? For 24 hours, I want you to stop it. And that means we're going to have to trust him with it. And things are going to go unfinished. We'll have to carry them over next week. But God is saying, will you trust me with it? And that's a good exercise for us week in and week out. Okay, I can trust my work to God. God is Lord of my time. I'm not Lord of my time. Now, and I also appreciate you were speaking particularly, Dave, to those like yourself and and like me. We have a lot of control over our schedules. A lot of people don't. But I think there are still ways, as as you were uh, suggesting, that even those who don't have a lot of control over their schedule can can still apply this principle and get spiritual benefit from this principle. I mean, we should also say, and I mentioned this toward the end of the book, there are certain professions that are just going to have to work on Sunday. Uh, I don't want to live in a world where I can't go to the hospital on Sunday if I need to. I don't want to signal to all the bad guys that police officers are not working for 24 hours because we're going to hit a spike in crime. So you you need medical personnel and law enforcement. They're just certain works of necessity, as the phrase goes, that have to be done. And so we recognize that. It doesn't mean if you're a Christian that you're going to say, I'm going to skip church forever so I can do those things. But if you're called in, then then do them with a good conscience. But I think most of us are not in that category most of the time. And so whether we have a lot of control over our schedule or little control over our schedule, that principle is still going to apply. And it's a it, it's a good weekly reminder of who is Lord over our work and who is Lord over our time. And I have found myself that when you commit your work to the Lord for that one day, um, he, he, you will you will find blessing, sometimes unexpected blessing. But uh, the, the Lord is not teasing us. Uh, he he really is working for our good, and he will show that as, as we take him up on his command uh, to set apart our work each week for a day and devote that day to him. That's really, really, really good. And I appreciate that clarification because it, that's a good and a necessary qualification that you made, you know, because you don't want anybody listening that might be a politician or, or yeah, a politician or a a fireman or a civil person working in the civil sphere or the governmental sphere, and they might have to, you know, work on, on Sunday, you know, we don't want them to feel like, Hey, I'm less than or anything. So what you said is, is really, really important. I, and I appreciate it. Well, brother, I know you're not on social media, really. Um, you know, I know you got a Facebook page that you never use. But, uh, <laughs> you, you don't even have, I don't even think you have your own website, right? I do not. I'm yeah. um, st- struggling to enter the 21st century. <laughs> That's all right, brother. 
we still think a lot of you. So where can people go to, to learn a little bit more about, about you online, brother? Sure. Well, uh, can, you can go to the RTS website, rts.edu. Um, and the, the publishers that have been kind enough to carry my materials, Crossway, uh, Ligonier, PNR, and others uh, will we'll have information. Um, Amazon will carry a listing of the, the books that I've written or published, and you can go on there and get more information. So I'm, I'm not without any presence on the web whatsoever. Yeah, Andy, having you written a, a couple of very helpful articles for Servants of Grace too, and I appreciate that very much. So. Yes, you've been kind enough to have me, and you can check me out there as well. Yeah. Well, just as we wrap up, and as I always say, uh, there's there's always a lot to talk about, mm. and that's especially true with this subject. So yes. just as we wrap up, uh, do you have a few takeaways for those who listen and watch the show? Sure. Um, I, I think... Just to go back to where we began, Dave, the the Sabbath can really provoke strong responses in people. But I think as you look at the whole scope of Scripture, seeing that God's people have always taken a day for worship and rest, Old Testament and New Testament, last day of the week in the Old Testament, first day of the week in the New, and that's something we see from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to spend all eternity together in the worship of God, that we ought to give the Sabbath, I think, a fair hearing, and we ought to take up God's challenge at this point, and to remember that this is not something God has given us to burden us or crush us but it really is for our joy and for our refreshment. And we need it. I mean, God made us, he knows what we need. And so let's take him up on it and you will not be disappointed. I guarantee. Mm. That's wonderful, brother. Very, very well said. Well, guys, we've been uh, talking with my friend, Dr. Guy Waters about his, his new book, the Sabbath is rest and hope for the people of God. I want to, encourage you to go and pick it up and pick up a few uh his his other volume as you mentioned the on the lord's supper uh we we have had him on so you can go back and listen to that but you can also go pick that up and i would encourage you to pick up the rest of the books in the series they are excellent they will help you no matter where you're at education wise i can tell you um i'm very well educated and I have learned a lot from all of these books. So you will find benefit for your soul and for your growth in the knowledge of God's word. So brother, thank you for your labors and your work and may God bless you and keep you. Thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Good to have you always, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. 
You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org. 